part of which we read in the Gospel according to John. The fourth chapter of the Gospel according to John at verse 14. Rather, verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The dialogue between our Lord and the woman of Samaria is an outstanding example of spiritual counseling. Just think of the tact, the faithfulness, the sympathy, the compassion of our, our Lord throughout this interview. I'm sure he was heart sorry for this poor disillusioned woman. And from this conversation there emerged some of the deepest truths. If thou knewest, said our Lord, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given me living water. She didn't understand. But perhaps she did. Perhaps she realized that he was speaking parables. But she didn't want to understand, and so she kept the talk on a material level. There was nothing to draw with, a glimpse of the object. So when then a thou this living water? But Jesus wasn't going to be sidetracked. He doesn't answer her directly. But rather does he show her that there are things infinitely more important than water, essential though that is. He that drinketh of this water, he said, shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water bringing up into everlasting life. We have here on the one hand a, a picture of despair and on the other hand a vision of hope. A picture of despair. He that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. How true and didn't she know it. Day after day, day after day, day after day. Possibly indeed as the sun was building up to a blistering heat. Because it may be, it all depends on the, on the way in which John was reckoning time. There's a different opinion about that. So it may be that his day began at six in the morning and therefore the sixth hour would be midday, twelve o'clock. However that may be, she, she was there, trudging back and forth, back and forth, weighted down with her heavy bucket of water. And the next day the supply was done, and the whole thing had to be done all over again. He that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But I've no doubt that this woman could think of other journeys in her search for satisfaction journey which landed her in an even more desolate waste. This woman no doubt was pursuing happiness as most people do. 
but her idea of happiness seemed to be along the lines of her sensual desires. When she was growing old, and her mixed-up life had left her guilty and lonely and undesired. Oh, wouldn't it be good if people would learn our lesson? Wouldn't it be good for this generation if we could learn our lesson without having to experiment? There will be fewer broken homes, fewer family tangles, fewer ruined lives. There are still multitudes who seek their pleasures along the same lines as this woman did. Sometimes at first hand, sometimes at, up, sometimes at second hand, through newspapers, magazines, television or whatever it may be. Others try to escape through drugs which only create an increased craving. And others talk about quenching their thirst with strong drinks. Forgetting that alcohol doesn't quench thirst, it only creates it. But yet people must try things out for themselves. They won't take a telling, however strongly and it may be, however strongly it may be expressed and how, however convincingly it may be argued. No, we must think this out for we must try this out for ourselves. Not all the evidence will convince people of their folly. People imagine that they're going to succeed even where everybody else has failed. And so like lemmings, they pursue one another to their destruction. There are, of course, we gladly admit, we, the, those who seek their uh, enjoyment in purer and more exalted ways than this, They, try, they quench their thirst in clearer waters. The joy, for example, of working for good causes, of caring for others, of, the, of the following medical or other scientific discoveries, or the joys of home and friendship, these things in themselves are, are noble and, and they're satisfying. But even so, man craves for something more than the physical, more than the material, more even than the intellectual. Sir James Young Simpson, the great Edinburgh, sur the great Edinburgh surgeon of last century, his name is still famous for his pioneering work in the use of chloroform uh, as an anesthetic admitted that even at the age of over 50 years of age, he made the greatest discovery of all, because it was then that he came to a personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as his own Savior. Well, this woman, like many another, had discovered the vanity of earthly things. Now the frail vessel thou hast made no hand but thine can fill. The waters of the earth have failed, and I am thirsty still. A picture of despair. 
But now there dawned a vision of hope. The gift of Jesus Christ. You see, people are, people are trying all sorts of roads and finding them one after another to be that blind alley. Till at last they come to the conclusion that there just is no answer. They're doomed to go on seeking until they faint by the way and they never find. But Jesus says here, no, that is an answer. There is an answer. He that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But he that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water bringing up unto everlasting life. What a wonderful prospect. The desert traveler sees an impression of water with palm trees around it. And he wonders. And he's apprehensive. He's been disappointed too often before. But then to his joy he finds that it's no mirage. It is real. Well, Jesus Christ is offering something that really satisfies. He's offering, for one thing, something that is internal. Shall be in him. You know, an ancient city, under siege, enjoyed a great advantage if they had an adequate supply of water within its, if it had an adequate supply of water within its walls. It was a tremendous blessing, we're told, to ancient Jerusalem. That in spite of all the terrible sieges which it endured throughout its history, one thing that was never lacking in that city was water. There were springs in the city, and there were those who brought water in aqueducts into the city, and, and the supply was there, inside. Now we have nothing in ourselves that really satisfies. And nothing the world can offer us provides lasting satisfaction. People cry out for entertainment and more entertainment. They don't seem in these days to provide even to be able to provide that for themselves. They've got to get it, they've got to get it fed into them. And they discover sometimes that those who are trying to entertain them are as miserable as themselves. Perhaps heard the story of the, <coughs> the man who went to his who went to his doctor, confessing to a deep depression, and the doctor said to him, "The thing for you to do is to go and, and go and see a, a certain comedian who he named was performing in the town at the time." And the man's face fell. You see, he said, "I'm the man." that you're asking me to go and see it. But the gift that Christ offers is, is comes from without ourselves. But it becomes part of ourselves. And it will never be parted from us. And it will yield a satisfaction. Which will never fall and which will endure forever. Now what is this gift? What is the gift that Christ gives to us? It is the gift of his Holy Spirit. 
In the 16th chapter of this gospel at the 7th verse, we read, If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. And it's not fanciful to find the Holy Spirit presented in our text under the figure of water. There's a similar passage you remember in the seventh chapter of this gospel. Jesus cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. Let him come unto me and, and drink. And Jesus went on to say, that the, or John at least went on to say, this teaching of the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit was not yet given, for the Christ was not yet glorified. And so water is one of the figures under which the Holy Spirit is portrayed. Uh, and I suggest now that for a little while, for a, for a little while, we look, we look at uh, the use of this figure. First of all, our first, we would first notice that water is life-giving. Water is essential to life. True water doesn't create life. But the Holy Spirit creates life. In the very beginning of the Bible, we read, the Lord God breathed into, uh, in, into Adam the breath of the Spirit of life. And man became a living soul. He's called the Lord and giver of life. And he creates life in the soul that dead in sin. And no one else can do it in your life, or in your case, or mine. And apart from spiritual life, the life that he gives, well, there's no, there's, there's, there's no spiritual life to develop. It is he who convicts us of sin, who lets us see our need of salvation. And as the Catechism puts it, he enlightens our minds in the knowledge of truth. He renews our wills. He persuades us and enables us to embrace Jesus Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel. He implants faith in our hearts and by that faith we are united to Jesus Christ and we become sharers in his life. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit of Christ, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. My friend, have you experienced this new birth? There's no other way. You can attend services all your life. You can try to cultivate Christian virtue. All human efforts are valueless. All our righteousnesses, says Isaiah, are filthy rags. No, the Holy Spirit must work. He must create new life in us. He must himself come to live in us. But water is not only life-giving, water is life-sustaining. 
You know, if you're looking for a site for a camp, one of the most important things to look for is the availability of water. You can survive for weeks without bread, but you can't survive without water. Well, the Holy Spirit who gives life sustains and develops life. And he gives his life by revealing Christ to us. And he sustains and develops life. How? By just revealing more of Christ. He takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. He enables us to understand more of Christ's work. Keeps us sheltering under his sacrifice. Enables us to share his risen life. Gives us the joy of salvation. Gives us, as Paul says, the spirit of adoption. Whereby, with confidence, we can see ourselves as children of God and we cry, Abba, Father. It's he who teaches us to pray, for we know not what we should pray, but as we ought. It's he who teaches us to read and to understand the word of God. Our maintenance, our growth of our spiritual life depends upon him. If we grieve the Holy Spirit, if we provoke him to silence, if we provoke him to withdraw the sense of his presence from us, well, is it any wonder that we wilt? And then again, <clears throat> water is beautifying and refreshing. You can picture a long drought. And we do have such things sometimes, even in this country. And we know how everything gets dry and parched and how the crops how the crops in the fields are, 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 are stunted. And we long we long for the rain to come. But of course there's much more evidence in the evidence in countries where the rain is seasonal. <coughs> If you've not seen such countries, you've probably seen pictures of them. You've seen pictures of them in the dry season and everything is parched, everything is in one dull monochrome. And then in its time, the rain falls. And suddenly there's a blaze of colour against a, a background of lush green. The earth's decayed face, we're singing, renewed is by thee. Sometimes again on the, on, on the face of our barren hillside you see a patch of lovely green and you discover there's a spring there sending out a constant supply of fresh water. And there are times in our own lives are there not when we are dry and lifeless and colourless and we long for the Spirit of God to apply the word to our needs but so our souls may become like a watered garden. Or perhaps we're disturbed by the state of the church. And the numbers are decreasing. The response to the gospel is so meager. The witness of the church seems so feeble. out in a landscape, or perhaps you see a picture of a landscape, 
and the way very beautiful the lovely beautifully shaped mountains and hills and valleys and the colouring is magnificent but you feel there's something lacking there's not a human being in sight not perhaps even a sheep in sight not even a bird in sight there's no life to be seen you know light makes all the difference light makes all the difference So it is. So it is with ourselves. Our own spiritual witness, our own spiritual witness we feel is so low. So little devotion, so little prayer, so little resemblance to Christ. We may have in our, we, we may have well-ordered lives. Our church life may be well ordered. Everything may be ship-shaped. Everything going according to the time-honored path. And yet it may lack this one thing. One essential thing. It may lack life. Are we willing to pray and pray from the heart that thy people may rejoice in thee? Wilt thou not revive us again? And are we willing for the cost if that prayer is answered because it is cost let me remind you of the day of Pentecost the disciples had received new hope and courage no doubt through the resurrection from the dead but still they felt afraid still they felt terribly weak they, they felt hemmed in and Christ knew that that would be the case and Christ forbade them to do anything until they received power from on high. He told them to wait until they received the promise. And at Christ's commandment, they did. And they didn't have to wait long. Because in God's good time, the Spirit came. And the whole scene was transformed. These men, so timid, so shy, so backward, began speaking with boldness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the city of Jerusalem was utterly amazed you remember the promise given in Isaiah chapter 44 I will pour water he says upon him that is thirsty and flood and flood upon the dry ground I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and thy blessing upon mine offspring Dr. John Duncan that simply professor of Hebrew in the last century in the new college in Edinburgh quoted that text and he remarked why don't we see this happening why don't we see this happening I will pour water upon him that is thirsty the reason is sure can be nothing but this we're not thirsty we're not thirsty God promised to him that is thirsty if we're not experiencing the promise, it just means that we're not thirsty. And then once again, water is purified. And the Holy Spirit gives inward purity. You know, you know there's many a city adorned with beautiful buildings and spacious streets and lovely gardens, which is the home of graft and corruption and scheming and drunkenness and sensuality. 
The Apostle Paul preached the gospel in cities like that. Cities like Ephesus and Corinth with their superstitions, with their degradation. Now I'm not saying that the whole city was clean, the, the whole of the cities were cleaned up. But certainly new communities were formed within these cities that made a mark upon the city. Uh, and the cities themselves were made to take notice. There can be no doubt whatever of the cleansing made in the life of the woman of Samaria. And what Christ did for her, he can do for you and for me. Our departure from God's law may be a different kind from hers. That's of secondary importance. We all need this cleansing. And the Holy and the Spirit of God can give it to us. Only the Spirit can. Nothing is really pure that is not given us by God's Holy Spirit, but everything that comes from Him is absolutely pure. How does He do it? As we said already, He does it by revealing more and more of Christ to us. Now what does that mean? Well, at conversion, at conversion he, show, he shows us the blood of Christ redeeming us from the guilt of sin. That same blood purges us from the corruption and gradually destroys the power of sin. He shows us Christ suffering pain and death for our sins. And as we see it, we see the hateful, the hateful thing that sin is. He shows us Christ in his earthly life, triumphing over temptation, living the perfect life. And so sets him before us as our example. But of course more than that is needed. He shows us Christ risen, ascended to the right hand of God with all authority committed unto him. He shows us Christ as our salvation, our power. He enables us to claim from him the victory. The victory that he had in his life. Likewise, says Paul, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who works Sanctification. Justification, you know, is, 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 is an instantaneous, uh, uh, instantaneous transaction where in which, we, uh, which we, are, we, we are accepted of God, our sins are not just forgiven but blotted out. Sanctification is growth in grace, growth in character. And it's a lifelong process. Often we have to confess, not a continuous process. Backsliding in the Christian life is all too common. But we dare not reconcile ourselves to such a thing. Spring may become silted up with the muck of the earth. But water is a powerful thing. It makes a way for itself. And if the Holy Spirit is at work, he will not fail. And at last we shall be fully cleansed and presented faultless before the throne of God's glory with great joy. And then one last thought. And that is that water 
flows. It is nature. If it can, if it can, it will not stand still. If it can, it spreads itself all around. You know, if you go as you go from Inverness to Aberdeen, you, you pass a little side road, and it marked, it signposted the Wells of Ice. A rather lovely name, a name that that stirs the imagination. I've never been there, but up there there are springs, springs which grow up eventually into the river ice and which empties itself into the North Sea. Why, even the great Amazon itself rises in the rivulets of the Andes of Peru. Well, let me remind you of that beautiful vision that we read in the prophecy of Ezekiel. The city of Jerusalem never had a river. Such as the rivers that beautify and bring trade to so many cities. There was no such thing in Jerusalem. They had the brook Kidron, which was just a seasonal, a seasonal ravine. But here Ezekiel sees from the temple a stream emerging. And, as it, and, and very quickly it grows in width and grows in depth. The waters rise to the ankles. A little further the waters rise to the knees. A little further the waters rise to the waist. And then before you know it, you walk, the, 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 the waters can't be passed over. They are waters to swim in. And so the river flows on till it comes down to the dead sea. The dead sea so choked up with chemicals that nothing can possibly live in it. And the amazing thing happens. The dead sea comes to life. It shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth with us wherever the water shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great, a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither. For they shall be healed, and everything shall live, whither the river cometh. Remember the words of our Lord. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his inner man shall flow rivers of living water. You know, normally a river grows by the influx of, influx of tributaries. But strangely, there's no word of tributaries here in Ezekiel's vision. No, it's a spontaneous and miraculous growth. Well, my friends, if we possess this spring of water, the water should flow from us to others. It did, indeed, in the case of the woman of Samaria. Soon, you remember, the whole township was welcoming Jesus. It flowed in even greater measure through the work of the apostles. With amazing rapidity, the gospel spread out, and out from Jerusalem. Out through Judea, Samaria, Syria, Asia Minor, Greece, Rome, probably eastward. Some say in the first century it reached India. Certainly it reached North Africa. And that is nothing but what ought to be happening. And every Christian man and woman should see himself and herself as spreading, called to spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we know of this refreshing fountain, then the stream should flow from us to others. That's how the church is supposed to grow. 
Christ promised, saying, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and at the utmost end of the earth. Well, why is it that we think that the present condition of apathy and powerlessness and cold formality is as it meant is as it's meant to be? Why do we why do we imagine that such a condition is the normal? That's the worst possible outlook we could have. It's a spirit of utter defeat. No, the spirit of God has not been withdrawn. It's we who fail to avail ourselves of the provision that has been made for us. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would give, have given thee living water. Well, you and I, we know who's, who's speaking. And we have heard of the gift of God. The question for us is, how we asked. How we asked. God is not stingy. God's provision is not straight. It's we who are straight. Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Let us pray. O Lord, we bless thy name for the great promises of thy word and how thy people have found them fulfilled in every generation. And we acknowledge that if we are not seeing them fulfilled in our lives and in our community and our fellowship, the fault is in us. We have not because we ask not. O oh, gracious God, give us faith and increase our faith. And grant that we, we may prove in our own lives and see in the lives of others thy power at work. In giving life and renewing life, in cleansing, in strengthening. Thou now dismiss us with thy blessing and take us in safety to our homes. Bless each one of us according to our needs. Be with us through the, the rest of this day and through the coming days of this week. And accept of us in Christ. Amen.